Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Take two. I'm your host, Alex, aka Bullship One. I'm joined on the same line with two lovely co hosts, Holt Smash and Mr. JB Brooks. What's up, guys? What's up, Alex? I thought we were going to like lead one of us in instead of both of us. Thought we worked on this. What's up? No, I like to throw some curveballs. JB, you out there? I'm out here. All right. Uh, all right. Enjoying uh, listening to your lovely voice. Man, I got all the bubble wrap pops, if you believe it or not. That's good to know, because it sounded like you had a lot. It sounded like you were just, you had that bubble wrap, and you just had it right up against the microphone. You are just popping it, popping it, popping it, like while we were trying to talk. I was doing that and eating some popcorn, because this is going to be a good show, Holt Smash. That's what I'm excited for. I, I, I had too much nervous energy, because you know what we're going to talk about, Holt? Your favorite sport. Your favorite or second favorite sport? I don't know. It's close call. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, I, I, it's really hard to beat college football just because, like, the passion and the, you know, just all the excitement. And there's only like 12 games a year. And, but that being said, I did kind of grow up loving baseball, and it's kind of always been like a tough thing for me. I'm not. I'm really not sure. I, I think like during baseball season, I, I think I love baseball more. But then during football season, I think I love football more. So it really just it kind of depends on the time of year, you know. If there were 30 college football games a year, then you think you would like baseball more. You know, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It, it wouldn't make me like baseball more, but it would probably make me like appreciate football a little bit less, just because there's so there would be so many more games. Yeah. And probably about great is that there's so few games in baseball. There's so many that it's kind of, you know, watered down a little bit. But you know, these past few weeks have been, uh, you know, when it when the rubber meets the road, I guess is is this is the saying that people like to use sometimes. That I believe, I believe, I believe that's a correct saying. But it's French. Yeah. 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 yeah, so um je ne suis pas. That's that's I am not basically. That's what that means, I think. Um yeah, so there's major league baseball, but then there's college baseball, and I don't think college baseball gets the love it deserves. Um I for one really do enjoy it come tournament time, even conference tournament time, I like it. But also also makes it more fun and exciting to watch when uh the sec is so passionate about baseball so that's what that's what i kind of like about it because i don't think i I tweeted this the other day i think in the sec i honestly think besides kentucky and maybe arkansas i don't know um i think that everybody likes baseball as the second best sport in the sec behind football instead of basketball and i don't know would you agree with that jb no okay (laughs) all right (laughs) 
No analysis given, just yes or no. Well, hold, hold on. Hold, let's 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 break it down. Whole baseball or football? Which or excuse me, baseball or basketball? Which fan base likes the sport more? I guess now. I guess I'm gonna name some fan bases off, and you tell me if they like baseball or basketball more. So we'll start right. off with Arkansas. That's a tough one, actually. I, I actually think they like baseball more, especially recently. Um, I know they had their their big run, you know, back in what was it like the '90s. Yeah. With, uh, really awesome basketball program but i think they may actually like baseball more and they're a really passionate baseball school um i think arkansas lsu and mississippi state are like all three um just really really passionate baseball schools and uh i think that all three of those schools like baseball more than basketball the the only school that i would really say for sure likes basketball more than baseball would be like kentucky and then maybe like alabama just because they're so bad at baseball yeah well you definitely stole my thunder with me going down the listening yeah. schools uh, trying to save some time alex true true i would say i would say south carolina probably likes baseball more than basketball and this is actually it's funny because this was brought up in uh the memphis sports radio the other day is that we were talking about we'll, we'll talk about this in a second how memphis recently scheduled arkansas or arkansas scheduled memphis however you want to look at that for the two for one and we were talking about how or they were talking about how memphis should schedule more regional power five teams like or regional sec teams i guess and they were talking about like how we scheduled south carolina a few years ago and that really doesn't do anything for memphis because uh it's not even close and they were also saying this is this is kind of bad for south carolina but they were saying south carolina is not like a major brand in anything i would disagree though i think they're i think they're pretty good baseball team football they want to be really good and they can be really good because clemson can be good but i don't think they're uh quite there in football but they have been in the past, like with uh, Spurrier. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that no matter what the topic is, we can always find our way back to Memphis football. You got to. You got to. So, whole, since you're talking about Memphis football, what do you think about that two-for-one with Arkansas? Uh, I think it's really good for both teams. I think, uh, you know, they're pretty close in proximity, and I think there's a decent amount of Arkansas fans in Memphis and close to Memphis just on the other side of the river. So I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for those Arkansas fans that maybe don't get up to Fayetteville as much to uh, see their Hawks play. And uh, for Memphis, you know, it's always good to schedule a Power 5 opponent. and A local one will be good. Hopefully Arkansas is, uh, you know, improved and, you know, they're a solid program under Chad Morris at that time. And, uh, you know, it'll be a really good matchup. JB, who's going to be coaching Arkansas and Memphis in 2025? Well, I would probably wager that Norvell will not be coaching Memphis, but Chad Morris could still be coaching Arkansas at that time. If he's a successful guy, he'll still be there. Unless Texas comes calling or a Texas school. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I'm not going to Arkansas. I think Arkansas, in a lot of places, in some coaches' minds, is a destination job, depending on who you ask. But Chad Morris is, you know, a guy from Texas. So, I mean, yeah, maybe if – Texas or Texas A&M came calling one day. Maybe he'll consider that, but I think he's happy at Arkansas, and I think he wants to build something special there. Can we all agree that Arkansas is has a second, not the second, but the best fan base out of the SEC? Or our best listeners, our best followers are from Arkansas, or the Arkansas fans? Yeah, I think so. I think I think they may be our most loyal. Because we really don't even talk about Arkansas all that much. We but should. I appreciate it. We need to talk about it more. We can definitely talk about their baseball team because they've been doing 
Yeah. Also, I think I think Arkansas doesn't get enough love for food too. I think Arkansas has some good food. Holt, you lived there for a year, so you should tell us. Oh yeah, I lived in Little Rock for for about a year, and yeah, I mean, there's definitely some good food there. Um, there's a place called a Whole Hog that I liked a lot that had you know really good barbecue place. There's a place called Sims, and uh, actually when I when I went into Sims, this guy I was with said that we liked Whole Hog too, and then they said you better not say Whole Hog in here because you might get shot. Crazy, crazy stuff. So if you ever go to Sims Barbecue in Little Rock, you better not bring up Whole Hog or you might get shot. <laughs> All right, let's let's set up the show here. This we we think this could be a short show, but um, also it could be a shit show. But I don't think it'll be that either. I think it'll be a medium length show because we don't have football, but we do have what Holt? We have SEC tournament baseball, or not? I would no. say SEC tournament. Excuse me, NCAA tournament baseball. I should correct myself. So we have NCAA tournament baseball. We want to talk about. Um, the Super Regionals are now set. We also have the Major League Draft that was last night. And um, we have a couple other football things going on. Um, the new SEC Bowl schedule was announced today or yesterday. I'm not sure. But JB sent us the text today. So I'm going to pretend like it was today because JB is on top of everything usually pretty pretty good. And also, Holt, we'll talk about uh, – I wrote this name down, and I had to I had to think about it for a second who it was. But I remember after thinking about it for you know twenty seconds. But I wrote down Tommy Stevens Holt because I'm not sure if we already talked about that. But I know we tweeted about it or texted about it. But we need to talk about it on the air just for a split second because uh, I am curious about your thoughts as a fan about him. So let's um, let's start off with uh, let's go and just get right into the college baseball tournament because I don't want to keep our people waiting. We got to give the people what we want, what they want. Holt, you know what I'm saying? That's right, and hopefully we got a lot of Arkansas fans listening, and they probably want to hear about how uh, Isaiah Campbell pitched really well in that game, and they were able to uh, to win that regional and knock out TCU, who probably shouldn't have even been in the postseason to begin with. But you know what? Arkansas got the dub, and they're going to be hosting the Mississippi Rebels this weekend. As an Arkansas fan, not that you are old, but do you think they are just always concerned about TCU given their football history? Even though it's been a good series. I mean, Arkansas has actually won a few games against TCU or a couple games in the last, like, five years under Biloma. And then TCU baseball is just kind of like – they're one of those, in my mind at least, they're one of those national brands that are usually pretty good in baseball and people don't maybe give enough credit out of all the Texas schools. They're usually pretty, pretty good and pretty solid team. Yeah, I mean, I think uh... – you know, I don't. I don't really remember Arkansas playing TCU on football. Maybe I'm misremembering. They definitely but. did. JB, JB, let's do a quick fact check for JB. JB, when did Arkansas play TCU? Uh, they played them, I believe, in uh, 2015. Played them three or four years in a row, I think. It was part of like that Dallas Cowboys or not Dallas. Cowboys. Oh, I remember that that overtime game. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas won that game in overtime. That's right. I think it was 2015. I it think was. I- it was 2015 or 2016. It was well, one they, of those. They played Allen. each other twice, if not three or four times. So I'll, I'll do some fact check in the background. But that was for for the football part of that series, it was a good contrast in styles between B. Lama and um, the TCU. Patterson. Yeah, Patterson. The TCU, um, not pro style, but uh, hurry up offense, spread offense. So it was fun to watch. Uh, definitely high scoring games. But that was football. And now we're talking about baseball because – Holt is Arkansas. At one point of the year, they were the hottest team in the SEC. Um, now, I guess most people are going to say Vanderbilt's the best team and the hottest team in the SEC. But um, Arkansas, you know, went to the championship game last year and could have, should have won maybe. But this year, it was supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year. They're young. 
But they're still a really good team, Colt. And do you think they're still like a, a solid threat to make it back to the World Series and to possibly win it even this year on a rebuild year, quote, rebuild year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Arkansas is just as talented as anybody in the country. Um, you know, we t- already talked about Isaiah Campbell, um, just an outstanding pitcher. Front, you know, their number one guy. And uh, But, I mean, they got solid performances from weekend. And uh, I'm trying to find, figure out how to say this dude's name right. Uh, Patrick Wink- Winklander. Sorry for mispronouncing his name. Went five shutout innings, seven strikeouts uh, in that last game against TCU. And then they got uh, two more. They, you know, finished the game with the shutout. Cody Scroggins pitched two and two-thirds. And, man, do they have anybody on their team with, like, a normal name? Probably not. Probably not. Jake, Jacob Kostchuk. I can't even say that dude's name. Anyway, they all combined for a uh, for a shutout over TCU in that final game. So, it isn't just the top of the rotation. I mean, they're really just pitching well all together. And uh, they're hitting the ball pretty well, too. So, they were able to roll right through the regional and get the sweep. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they're as dangerous as any team in the country. They're hosting Ole Miss this week. And, um, you know, they're obviously two wins away from Omaha. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think they can make it. And, I mean, once you get there to Omaha, I mean, really anything can happen. Let's do a quick fact check update just because I don't want to keep our listeners waiting. Arkansas did, in fact, play TCU back-to-back years in 2016 and 2017. In 2016, Arkansas won – Beat a number 15 ranked TCU um, at Fort Worth, Texas, or at TCU in a double overtime game, 41 38. That was one where I was like, oh, Bielema's was a good coach. And then the following year, 2017, Arkansas lost 7 28 to number 23 TCU at Fayetteville. Um, and that was the, the beginning of the end for Brett Bielema's four and eight year. Just a quick update. Um, JB. Do you know how many teams uh, made it to the Super Regional in SEC? I believe it's um, – Don't count. Six. All right, I'm going to guess it's seven. Oh, what you got? Man, I wasn't even listening. The major, major JB moment there. Um, how many I'm teams, trying to talk baseball stuff over here. What's up? How many SEC teams made it to the Super Regional? I believe six did, and five from the SEC West. Six out of ten teams in the NCAA tournament, or and ten SEC teams in the NCAA tournament, made it super regional. And in fact, there would be probably more that make it to the World Series if not Arkansas and Ole Miss play each other. Um, as an SEC fan, JB, do you like seeing Arkansas play at Ole Miss in a super regional, or would you rather see? Arkansas and Ole Miss play a non-conference team, so there's more SEC teams in the World Series. I mean, if we were being greedy, yeah, we don't want Arkansas and Ole Miss playing each other, but this was by design because the committee doesn't want all these SEC teams making it to Omaha. They want some diversity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw that with they, you know, they matched up the uh, Oregon State Regional with the UCLA Regional as well, which is kind of, you know, I mean, anytime they start matching up uh, – regionals with super regionals that are you know the same commerce teams i mean it's pretty obvious that they just want like the whole country represented in omaha you know for viewers and they don't really they're not as concerned with putting the best teams in the sec didn't get screwed quite as bad this year as they did last year last year it was like very very obvious that the committee was trying to keep the sec from completely dominating like the field and being the only teams in omaha um and this year, 
the SEC got a little bit better break, but they do have the one matchup this weekend, which is Arkansas and Ole Miss, um, which, you know, I mean, it's going to happen. There's no perfect way to, to go through it. Um, but, you know, that being said, it would be nice. Uh, it, it just seems weird you have two teams in the same division they've already played this year, having to play in a Super Regional, but that's just kind of how it fell this year. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Do you think that you're saying uh, the – or I think one of you were saying that the tournament bracket was set up by design for the SEC not to play in all of, all of the SEC play in Omaha, but do you think the LSU-Stony Brook matchup was, was by design, Holt? The LSU what? I'm sorry. Stony Brook matchup was by design. Oh, just because the uh, years ago? Yeah, so. I think it was seven years ago. And I didn't know that until I was watching the game and realized it. But Or, I mean, I didn't realize it, but they, they reminded me, I guess, on the uh, their commentators were saying that this happened seven years ago. But it was kind of a nice coincidence. Um, but, yeah, I guess it wasn't really close there. 17-3 to three for LSU. So, LSU, I think they're, they're worth talking about here for a second. Hold. Um, and I'll, I'll talk to you, JB, about Tennessee's woes in a second. But uh, – LSU has kind of had a up and down year. Um, they beat really good teams, but then they lose to bad teams. Uh, I think maybe that's their. I don't know for sure, but I feel like that's their thing. Hold is like they lose the midweek games they're not supposed to, but then they beat they beat the big teams. But um, this super regional matchup, they they got the number one seed in their their region, they got to host regional. Uh, then they beat Stony Brook, Southern Miss twice to get to the Super Regional to play Florida State here in the Super Regional, which I'm assuming they're hosting now, the Super Regional. Um, my question is, uh, how good is LSU? Are they are they good enough? I guess at this point they're going to – they they're probably going to be favored against Florida State to get to Omaha, but they kind of kind of backed their way into Omaha. I mean, they had a number one seed, and they're obviously a good team, but they should have played Georgia in this, and then if they played Georgia, then it might have been like a more of a toss-up. But since they're playing Florida State, Holt, are you more confident with LSU playing Florida State going into uh, Super Regional? You know, I mean, I feel like I should say yes, but the way that Florida State just absolutely dominated Georgia in that regional, like I'm thinking that maybe Florida State has just kind of hit like a hot streak right now, and maybe they're a team that nobody wants to play. Uh, but that being said, LSU is at home. And that obviously gives me a huge advantage there. And Alex Box is a you know outstanding environment, and it's going to be really tough for Florida State to go in there and win two or three. But uh, just like you're saying, I mean, yeah, LSU really struggled for a lot of the year, especially in those midweek games. They had a couple of really bad losses. You know, they lost a lot of series early in conference play, and it really just looked like this wasn't going to be a good year for them. It looked like they, you know, may sneak into a regional as like a you know a three seed maybe, and just you know be out in the regional, and then that was just going to be it. And it seemed, just seemed like it was going to be that kind of a year. But they've really come together in the second half of the season. And uh, they got a few big series wins and, you know, just had a few big wins on the stretch, had a pretty decent showing in the SEC tournament. And, uh, you know, then they they find a way to host. I mean, I think they were one of the last teams that were uh, available to host. And then, you know, they win their series against, uh, you know, uh, Southern Miss, who also had a, had a really – good regional really hard fought uh comeback when they had against arizona state in that elimination game um and then you know lsu kind of backs their way into hosting a super regional i mean it, even in a bad year it's like they still find a way to be hosting a super regional it just seems like you know lsu just always catching those lucky breaks but you know what 
they're a good team. And, I mean, I think, yeah, they're probably going to be favored against Florida State this weekend. But I think that's just because they're the home team. I think either team could, could win this series. Debbie, all I saw on Twitter Friday night was Tennessee loses to Liberty and just didn't show up for the game after losing the previous game in the SEC tournament. I think it was against Auburn. I'm not positive, but who it was in the SEC tournament, but they just they got blown out in the SEC tournament. That's what Twitter told me, basically. And then they just didn't show up against Liberty. Now they, they came back and beat, beat Wilmington, Liberty again to play North Carolina in the final elimination game to get Super Regional. But um, what's the uh, pulse of all nation for this baseball team? Or as everybody just saying, oh, it's about to be football season. I mean – you look at it. I mean, the Auburn when they played Auburn in the SEC tournament, I mean, it wasn't really a blowout. It's just uh, Auburn was a bad matchup for Tennessee. Tennessee got swept at Auburn earlier this year, and in basketball uh, play, and then they lose them in the SEC tournament. So I mean, that's they went zero and four against Auburn. Uh, the game against Liberty, the opening game, they just didn't show up. Like you said, uh, they made a few errors in that game. They left a lot of men on base. Uh, they just weren't bringing their A game. It was just really, really bad baseball. Uh, but mainly it was just a lot of – it was a lot of errors, especially fielding errors that cost them a couple of runs in that game that shouldn't have happened. But then also you got to look at the uh, the uh, third game they played in that region uh, when they played uh, Liberty again. They blew, I think, a uh, six or seven nothing lead. And Liberty came back and had a chance to win in the ninth inning before Tennessee ended up getting out of that jam and ultimately won it in the tenth inning on a uh, walk-off hit. But yeah, like they were an up and down team, but uh, they're definitely heading in the right direction. I think Tony Vitello is going to have that program uh, consistently winning and competing in the SEC and going to uh, playing in the regionals every year. And that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, I think this year was a success for Tennessee. You have to say, I mean, just going into the season, you probably thought that, you know, if they could find a way to make the postseason, that would be a win for them. And it's just good for them to be back in, you know, relevancy and having their fans, you know, have something to look forward to and hopefully something for them to build on going forward. Debbie, did you know that Tennessee's old coach, uh, Serrano, is the, like, ESPN analyst now? I did indeed. Yeah. That threw me off. Yeah, like, I mean, no hard feelings for him. I mean, he he brought a style, a California style, you know, to the uh, SEC, and it just didn't work out. But, I mean, there's no hard feelings for him, and, you know, he came from a really successful program at Cal State Fullerton where he had them in Omaha. And they just weren't able to get – you know, <laughs> he, he takes a job in the SEC, brings that West Coast style, and it just wasn't able to work out. But I think Vitello is going to have that Tennessee program back to relevancy like they had in the Delmonico years when they went to Omaha a few times with him. And, you know, there's a lot of talent in the state of Tennessee too, although, although I would say it's Corbin's got pretty much the entire state locked down, especially the national area. Knoxville and Memphis both have a lot of uh, talent as well, but so I mean, I, I definitely think this would be a relevant program in the SEC. I mean, they're—I <clears throat> don't say they would—they put as much resources in baseball as other schools like LSU, Arkansas, or Mississippi State, but uh, they're still going to have some lightning in the bottle of years where they could have a team that could be capable of going. True, true story, true story. Um, yeah, my takeaway would be the same thing: is that. They didn't play well against Liberty, but, you know, they made it back to the, I don't know, whatever we call it, the regional championship game to get to Super Regional against North Carolina and ended up losing. So they basically did exactly what they were supposed to do. They were the two seed in that region. They were supposed to lose to North Carolina in the championship game, and that's what they did. So um, not, a, not a bad loss this 
this year for Tennessee because again they're they're moving in the right direction. At least they got to the tournament, which they couldn't do over the last like five or six years or whatever it was. Uh, let's go back to Holt, and I think I know the answer to this. But what was the best game this weekend? The whole weekend? Yes. Um, well, I guess out of SEC is what I'm talking about. I I mean I think there's there's two games that kind of stand out. Um, and one of them actually did end up winning the regional, so I'm going to go with that one. But I'm going to go with the uh, Auburn walk-off through home against Georgia's head. That, was, that game was really exciting. Uh, I think Auburn trailed by four runs going into the ninth inning, if I'm correct, in, it, in the bottom of the – and they were they were the home team, even though they were playing at Georgia. They got that walk-off home run. And, uh, but another one that was an, a really good game, it was just kind of – watered down a little bit just because uh, they ended up losing later that day to get eliminated. But Texas A&M hitting the walk-off grand slam to beat uh, West Virginia. And it was the same deal. Even though they were playing at West Virginia, they were the home team. So they got the walk-off on the other team's field. So, I mean, those two games were pretty incredible. And uh, But I think I'm going to have to go with Auburn just because they did actually end up winning that regional. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Were you watching both games as they hit the walk-off home run? Yeah, it was actually. I, I was actually pretty glued to the TV uh, over the weekend, um, and it was just it was just a great weekend. There's a lot of great games. You know that uh, that Southern Miss uh, was a great game as well. Where Southern Miss, I think, was down by like eighth inning, came back and won. So uh, in that elimination game, and there was just there was just a lot of great, a lot of great games on. Um, you know, there was some surprise teams, especially. Uh, the most fun regional, uh, I think, was the East Carolina regional, um, where you had Quinnipiac and Campbell, uh, the two, the three and four seeds getting a couple big wins early. And even though East Carolina did end up uh, coming out of there um, in advance to the Super Regional, that was a pretty crazy uh, regional there. Um, you know, NC State, I think, was the two seed. They go 0-2. And uh, East Carolina really had to battle their way back and beat Quinnipiac and Campbell. I've never even heard of either one of those schools, if I'm being entirely honest. I've, and, uh, I think I've heard of both. One of them almost had a chance to make it to a Super Regional. That would have been really crazy. Yeah. How are you watching all these games, Hold Because they're, I think they're all on like ESPN3, except for a couple that are on SEC Network and ESPNU. And I think ESPN and ESPN2 had the softball World Series, so it wasn't going to there was a couple of times where there was baseball games on, college baseball games on, but it was for the most part it seemed like it was co- uh, softball World Series. So you had to be flipping between your all the ESPN three games on either your laptop, phone, and the TV as well. It's kind of like college football Saturday, right? Yeah, definitely. I had to switch around a lot, and um, you know, had to uh, have have that controller uh, or that remote close by my side and was uh, getting a get, nice uh, thumb workout uh, over the weekend. <laughs> it's um, it's kind of hard. That, I mean, I guess the, the good thing about this is, like, you, I, this is the only reason why I wouldn't cut my cable cord is because when you get to sporting events, you want to see live events. You don't want to stream and be delayed by a minute or two because, especially if you're on Twitter, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to – to watch a game on your on your phone streaming, I guess streaming on your laptop or TV, and then be on Twitter scrolling and get the update that way because that's that's very very annoying. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, 
you're trying to scroll through Twitter, you're trying to watch the game, but they're on a delay. So sometimes you see what's on TV. So it's just kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's just what to do there. And I just try to make the best of it. I know, like, JB, it really bothers him. Uh, he's always talking about how much it's bothering him. Is that true, JB? Yeah, like, I was experimenting a few days ago while watching a game. Um, we oh, have... oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to say, like, when you say experimenting, I just picture you putting on, like, a lab coat and having, like, gla- <laughs> like glasses and, like... My Bill and I, the science guy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> while you have, like, a hypothesis and, like... A hypothesis and what my conclusion is. Well, uh, just we'll, we'll jump through the experiment. I'll give you my conclusion. But all I did was I uh, put on my Uverse app on my phone and then synced it up and put it on the same channel as it is on my television. And I counted the seconds in from what it was at that exact point to when it came on my phone. You want to guess, Alex, how far behind streaming is? Is it like a minute and 25 seconds? It was 57 seconds. That's what I counted. Yeah. And you That's know what's crazy? Forget into streaming. I will never ever do streaming. What's crazy is like it doesn't seem like a huge difference. Like fifty-seven seconds isn't that big of a delay, but it really is when you're watching live, live TV, and you because I mean you could you can honestly be on Twitter and get the update before um, it actually comes through on the stream. Yeah, absolutely. And the worst thing, in seconds. That's the equivalent of probably about two plays in football. And that's the equivalent of a few pitches in baseball. Like, a lot can happen in that span of time. Maybe one pitch in baseball. Yeah, and the worst thing is, like, people like us, you know, millennials, we like to follow Twitter while the games are happening live. And if we're following Twitter while streaming, you can easily have a big play. Like, for example, let's say the kick six when Alabama and Auburn in that game, when Auburn won on the kick six, you could be seeing a bunch of tweets on your timeline. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What what just happened? Auburn just won. And – and they're still lining up to kick the field goal if you're watching it on stream. So that's that's one big reason why I don't like streaming. It, it just takes away from it, like, when you see it live. Because you want to see it live and experience it that way. You don't want to see what happened on Twitter and then and then watch, the, watch it, like, on a delay. You know what I mean? It's part of the experience is taking it in live. But, I mean, that's something you kind of have to deal with. And I know, like, with baseball, I mean, you don't really have a choice because not all the games are on TV and you have to stream. But, yeah. you know, you just and then, you know, if I see something on – you know, well, one thing I'll do is when when Mississippi State is in the field, I will check Twitter um, because I know, like, if something bad happened, I can just, like, leave the room. I don't have to watch it. <laughs> but uh, if Mississippi State's hitting, then I'll, I'll stay off Twitter. So if something good happens, uh, I'll see it live instead of reading it on Twitter. Yeah, it's especially when you have the, the app updates, like your ESPN app and Bleacher Report, because those are pretty quick. Those are actually sometimes even quicker than live TV because I guess they're there and they get, I don't know, but sometimes it's quicker than even live TV. Uh, but I digress. Let's talk more baseball, college baseball. So um, before the tournament started, you were talking to me about how Mike Bianco at Ole Miss actually might be in the hot seat if he can't get out of the regional. Well, he got a new athletic director, and he got out of the regional. So, what say you hold now about Ole Miss and Mike Bianco? Well, did they hire a new athletic director, or are they just going to get one? Because I know Ross Bjork left for Texas A&M, but did they hire somebody, or are you just mm. saying that? Good point, good point. They haven't hired anybody. Uh, they haven't found anybody that wants a job. You know, <laughs> you'll, you'll laugh at this, JB. I think Tom Bowen probably wants a job. I mean, I I can understand why he might want to take that job. I mean, it's you're going to be a – if you're going to be a uh, Power Five uh, 
job, you know, in, in SEC too. Like it's it's a good it's a good situation for Tom Bowen. I mean, I, I, I you know saw this coming that he resigned as the but he would be a good fit. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have to move very far either. Yeah, he would he would take it. But I don't think I don't think he I don't I don't think he resigned under his own terms because he. I think it was kind of like a mutual parting is what it was. It was. I remember hearing that uh, he had some, you know, he's butting heads with uh, Rudd. Rudd. Yeah. But also with some of the people in the athletic department. So it was, it was definitely a mutual parting of ways. But Holt, so they got to the regional, got out of the regional, and just kind of breezed through. It wasn't, to me, there wasn't any, I mean, to me, there wasn't any strong teams in the regional. But, I mean, they're still – and then so I tournament for a reason. So still pretty impressive to get through the regional as easy as they did. Um, now they play Arkansas, who should beat them in the Super Regional. But um, is Mike Bianco, like, safe and relaxed now? Yeah, I think so. I think as soon as Ross Bjork uh, took the Texas A&M job, I think that pretty much uh, guaranteed that he was going to be back for next season, no matter how they finished this year. Just because you know a new AD is going to come in and they're going to hire the AD first and they're going to let him make the the coaching hire, uh, you know I mean I think he definitely deserves to keep his job. He's been there forever. Um, he's a really good coach, and um, you know I, I think that had Ross Bjork stayed, had they got knocked out in this regional by Jacksonville State or Illinois or whoever, that uh, then yeah I mean I definitely think he would have been in trouble just because it's kind of the same old story every year with Ole Miss. But, uh, you know, luckily they were able to, to make it to the regional. And just like you said, I mean, made it through really easily. I mean, they hit the ball really well. They pitched it really well. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, Illinois was a two seed. And they're just typical, like, overrated Big Ten baseball team. Um, they, and they're the two seed. They get uh, two in Q. They get, you know, blown out in both game play. I guess not technically blown out by Illinois or by Jacksonville State. But they, they do lose to Jacksonville game, the four seed. And, uh, you know, Clemson is usually a pretty good program, but not exactly, you know, full strength this year. They lost a lot off of last year's team. And, uh, you know, I mean, but still a good win. And, uh, you know, they uh, Ole Miss put up 19 runs in that last game of the series to knock out Jacksonville State. So they really just hit the ball over the plate. They scored 16 runs in the first game as well. So they really just hit the ball well, pitched it well. I mean, just a complete series win domination uh, in that regional. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be tough going up to Arkansas this weekend, but they went up there and took two out of three earlier this season. So I don't think they're going to, you know, lack for any confidence. Um, it's going to be a tough series, and it's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most this weekend besides Mississippi State, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a great series. And, you know, it sucks only one of them's going to get to make it to Omaha. But that being said, it does guarantee that there will be at least one SEC team in Omaha, which, I mean, more than that. But it guarantees there will at least be one. They both teams there, Ole Miss and Arkansas, have a lot of momentum going into this game. Ole Miss might have a little bit more since they got to the SEC championship game, but Arkansas had a lot of momentum pretty much the entire second half of the season. So, um, should be a fun, fun regional matchup. I'm excited for as well. Um, Holt, as and I'm gonna stay with Holt because Holt is the baseball expert on the slow smoke podcast here. Um, as a Mississippi State fan, did you for one second? get concerned over any game this weekend yeah i did actually uh the first game of the weekend against southern the four seed um it was kind of a close game for the first six or seven innings uh mississippi state starter jt again got uh knocked out of the game pretty early he had to leave with an injury and uh 
Mississippi State had to use a couple of their their big bullpen arms, probably their, their top two most consistent bullpen guys all season. Both had to pitch, uh, throw a lot of pitches in that first game, and they were able to get the win. But, you know, you're just kind of worried, you know, if they if they lose that game, obviously they're in big trouble. But if they lose that game and they have to, you know, throw their best relievers, then they're really in. But uh, they were able to hold on. And then game two, they got a huge start from Ethan Small, who, you know, continues to, to just dominate uh, like he's done all season. And, uh, you know, get a win. Break uh, Central Michigan actually had a 19-game winning streak coming into that game before Mississippi State won. And, and uh, you know, that was obviously a great win. And then they uh, they had to sweat it out a little bit against Miami. Miami had base runners on the whole game. Uh, but Mississippi State was able to hold them down and get, some, get a few really big double plays in that game. And, uh, you know, win that game 5-2 to two and advance to the uh, Super Regional. I think uh, I said this earlier, Hold, that – I tweeted this earlier, that Vanderbilt is the best defensive team and Mississippi State is the best offensive team. Um, JB, I don't know if you followed that tweet, but it was funny. Somebody actually tweeted or replied to that and asked if we're talking about football. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, why would you even ask that? Maybe they were joking. I'm not sure. But that was kind of a funny reply. But um, we think Mississippi State is the best offensive team or is the best hitting team, but – uh, could LSU, in fact, be better than Mississippi State hitting? Uh, I mean, I think if somebody's better than Mississippi State hitting, it'd probably have to be Vanderbilt. I mean, between Martin and J.J. Bleday, um, I mean, those are two of the best hitters in the country. Um, I think Mississippi State just has a little bit more depth. Like, I think they're, you know, seven, eight, nine guys are probably a little bit better than Vanderbilt's. But, you know, I mean, you could really go either way. They're both really good offenses. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think both teams are – definitely capable of uh, having a huge, huge night in um they got there. Who are you most disappointed with this weekend hole out of the SEC? From in Georgia? Yeah, it's got to be Georgia. I mean, like, you know, they had such a great season and they, you know, they played well all, you know, pretty much all season. And, um, you know, even though I did uh, say they're a little bit overrated all year, I did still think that they were like a top 10 caliber team. And I expected them to get through this regional all right. Um, but, I mean, man, they just – they really um, – against Florida State. Florida State really whooped them both times. They played the uh, – Florida State won 12-3 to the first game and then 10-1 to in the elimination game for Georgia. So, I mean, Florida State really just put it on them. And uh, you just really hate to see it. Georgia's a, you know, really proud program. They had a really good team this year and a lot of really good pitching. I thought that, that, that their pitching depth uh, – Gave them a real good shot to make a deep run this season. And, uh, unfortunately, it was cut short of Florida State and uh, Frank Martin's last season there. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm definitely pulling for uh, I like, you know, Frank Martin a lot. And, you know, it seems like they always uh, find a unique way to lose this time of year. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of happy for Florida State. But, at the same time, I'm kind of disappointed in Georgia as well. And then, I mean, to a lesser extent, Texas A&M um, – you know, I, I thought that they really had a really good shot to go up there and win that regional. And, uh, you know, yeah, they had a great comeback against West Virginia. But, I mean, at the end of the day, their lineup just wasn't where it needed to be. I mean, they didn't hit enough. Um, you know, Braden Shoemake is a great player, but he's really their only hitter in the lineup. And their pitching has been really good. But, you know, unfortunately, the defense has kind of been struggling uh, for a lot of this year. And it just hasn't been consistent. And that just doesn't make for – a winning team. If you can pitch it, but you can't play defense, then, you know, you're going to give up some unearned runs and stuff like that. And, you know, their offense wasn't able to overcome that.
Let me get JB back in the conversation for a second. JB, we now know who's going to be the Super Regional. Uh, and we said who earlier, who from the SEC, or we didn't even say from the SEC, who we thought was going to make the College World Series. We, now that we know the Super Regionals, do you, would you, do you want to change is who is either in the – I would say who's either, who's in the College World Series. That's too easy now with the regional, Super Regional. But I would say – can you just tell me, out of the Super Regionals, who do you think is the best team or who is the team you think is going to win? It should be the same team, I would think. Out of the 16 teams left, I mean, I, I'm still rolling with Vanderbilt. I think they're the team to beat the rest of the way. Uh, Corbin's got the team rolling. I mean, they're just a well-oiled machine. They're really balanced, really good pitching, really good hitting. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that team. Holt, would you disagree with that statement? No, I mean, I, I think that's fine. I mean, I, I still – I just have a good feeling about Arkansas this year. Um, I just, I just think this might be their year, but you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, honestly, like out of the, out of all the teams that are left, there's really only like two or three that I could, that I couldn't see winning at all. I mean, Michigan, I definitely don't think is capable of winning at all. Duke, I don't think is. Um, And Auburn, I don't think quite has enough to, to get all the way this year. But I mean, other than that, I think pretty much everybody else has at least a shot to go all the way. Are you confident at, at Mississippi State's chances? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're hosting Stanford this weekend. Um, you know, I, I think they, I think they have a pretty good shot to win that series. I mean, obviously being at home is a huge event, but um, you know, Stanford has not played the most difficult schedule here. Uh, they really struggled in their regional. They lost their first game to Fresno State, and I really had to to battle back and win the last three games to advance from that regional, and. Um, you know, I mean, I, I hate saying this, I mean, because, I mean, you know, anything can happen. It's baseball, and Stanford definitely has some really good players in their team. But, you know, I do feel about as comfortable as I can as a as a pessimistic Mississippi State fan. I think out of all the teams left, I'm probably going to root for East Carolina. Not only – not because they're in the American, but, I, just, I mean, they're not really like a small school, but, like, they're the smallest baseball school, I guess, or the least – powerhouse of all the baseball teams left i would think um so i, I kind of root for them but my opinion doesn't really matter uh as much so um i think we covered college baseball pretty good um i'll let you i'll let you put us upon a words hold but i'm going to move on to the next couple of topics before uh we run out of time here so any final words about this NCAA tournament upcoming hold no i mean i just wanted to uh to just say obviously arkansas is traveling to Ole miss for two out of three LSU is hosting Florida State. Uh, Vanderbilt's hosting Duke. Mississippi State's hosting Stanford, and Auburn will be playing uh, North Carolina on the road. So uh, those are the matchups there. And I think they, aside from Auburn, North Carolina, I think they all set up pretty favorably for the SEC teams. And how tough is the SEC West this year? I mean, five of the seven teams making a super regional, and the one that didn't, uh, or you know, one of the ones that didn't was Texas A&M, who uh, came really close, and you know, obviously Alabama is basically the, the inverse of their football program in baseball. But still think softball is better than baseball in the SEC, but it's, it's tough. I think people people just know that football is really good in the SEC, but it's really not their best sport. It has to be like gymnastics or softball or baseball or maybe even track. It's, um, it's not what you would think it is. Football is obviously pretty good, and it's definitely the best conference, I would say, but um, it doesn't dominate quite the level that baseball and softball do at least. 
Yeah, it doesn't. It just shows that uh, shows the quality, the depth, and the balance of the SEC. From all sports, yeah, all sports. Um, all right, let's move into the next topic. I got a few more topics I want to talk about. Um, staying on baseball, hold and JB. Uh, we'll stay with the MLB draft. Um, out of the SEC in the first round, we're not going to go through all the rounds here, but for, for the first round, there were four SEC players picked. Um, J.J. Blade out of Vanderbilt was number four. We had Zach Thompson out of Kentucky going to the Cardinals, J.B., at 19. And we have two more. Um, you're going to have to help me with this. Oh, Braden. Braden Shoemake. Shoemake. Oh, that wasn't too bad. That's not a lot, lot harder. And then Ethan Small out of Mississippi State going 28th to the Brewers. Um, I didn't know Ethan Small was that good. I mean, I, I, I picked it up actually a couple weeks ago whenever somebody was previewing the SEC tournaments. Just talking about – because I thought they were just going to talk about Jake Mangum from Mississippi State, but then they were talking about Ethan Small being the uh, – was he the official SEC pitcher of the year or player of the year? Um, You know, I've, I don't know if they've given out those awards yet. Maybe they have and I just missed it, but I have not seen that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he came into the year – I was, I think he was like a 26th-round draft pick last year by the Diamondbacks, I want to say. Um, so, obviously, jumping up like 25 rounds in one year is really impressive. And uh, he had Tommy John early on in his career at Mississippi State. and uh, But really bounced back this time last year. He kind of overtook Connor Pilkington, who was a third-round pick last year. Sox as the Friday night guy for Mississippi State. And uh, he's just been dominant all year. I mean, he's – strikeouts have been through the roof and you know i think batters only hitting like 160 against them so 160 strikeouts in 96 innings i mean that's ridiculous and obviously you know obviously all those things help and you know i think uh three or four weeks ago he was probably still looked at as a second or third rounder but you know he just keeps pitching well he keeps dominating every week and you know someone's going to take a chance on him and the brewers were able to uh jump in and get him it's it's such a scary thing when you have Tommy John surgery because you're supposed to come back stronger, but it's I wouldn't say it's guaranteed, and it's it's a very just scary because a lot of pitchers aren't ever the same after Tommy John surgery. But it's supposed to make you better. But I just I don't know. It's kind of like tearing ACL and like trying to come back from is tough. Um, yeah. Well, the thing about uh, Tommy John is, um, you know, people say that like it makes you you know brings you back stronger or whatever, but it isn't so much the the new ligament that brings you back stronger as much as it is the, the rehab process is from, from what I've heard. I mean, to me, it's just the rehab process to strengthen that arm back up is really where you, you see that extra mile an hour or two on the fastball um, for a lot of guys. And yeah, I mean, you know, you definitely don't want to have Tommy John, but it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, pitchers are going to have it. It's, it's just going to happen. It doesn't matter how careful you are. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're on a pitch count, it doesn't. You know, none of those things really matter. Like, you know, your your body's just not built to to throw a baseball, and it's just very unnatural motion. And a, a lot of guys are going to have it, and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the great pitchers in the big leagues have already had it, and uh, they've been able to bounce back. So, you know, I think he's definitely shown. You know, it's been two years removed from his surgery, and he's had two pretty strong years since then. So, I think he's uh he's going to be hopefully going to be all right. It really makes me wonder because uh, back in our baseball glory days, whole. Um, I think everybody played every position at one point. So, like, you were – I think you were a catcher for a little bit, but you pitched in high school. I pitched, like, when I was young, and I played every position I feel like, too. It makes me wonder what position I would want to be, like, if I was trying to be a major league baseball player. You would think pitcher because p- pitchers get such special treatment. But also, at the same time, it's just, like, you're tearing your body up to get to a, get to be a major league 
baseball pitcher to get to that point to get drafted. It's just, just it's tough, but they definitely. And you also have to be sure that you can throw hard and I guess be accurate too, but really more importantly, hard. But um, I just don't know what position I would be growing up now. Like if I tried to be the major league baseball player, because it's hard being a position player, I think making it. Yeah. Well, I mean, being a position player would be like more fun because you get to play every day and yeah. obviously the chicks take the long ball and like all that stuff. But I mean, honestly, like I think it would probably be the best to be like a starting pitcher. Like I think that would probably be the, the most enjoyable because you only have to pitch once every five games and uh you know you just get a lot of downtime and it's just not quite as stressful it's not that day in day out grind as much and uh you know i just think it would be a little bit a little bit better but the worst by far to me would be a, like a relief pitcher i mean that would be by far the worst i would love being a closer well if being a closer is, is a little bit different but it's just like you know you have to pitch like almost every day you never know when you're gonna be needed yeah, yeah. and it's just kind of you know, you're always kind of on edge and not to mention that, you know, if you're, your odds of making it to the big leagues as a relief pitcher are a lot better than any other position, but your odds of sticking in the big leagues and having like a long career is probably the worst. Like the odds of you getting like that first big major league contract are by far the worst for, for a relief pitcher. I mean, they just don't get paid as much. They don't last as long and, you know, they don't have the same kind of long careers that other positions do. I was curious about the, if you knew more about the Oregon State catcher who went number one overall, I, I just thinking logically about this, but maybe I don't know, and I'm not an expert like you, Holt. Um, I just wouldn't want to pick a catcher with my number one pick overall, but maybe yeah. uh, maybe it's really good. I don't know. I mean, he's obviously really good if he's number one pick overall, but I just wouldn't want to use it on a catcher. Yeah, well, me and JB were actually talking about this earlier today, but, you know, I mean, he's, he's such a good hitter, and he is going to an American League team. Um, you know, they could always – DH him. Yeah, they could DH him. They could play him at first base some, um, you know, like the Giants have done with uh, Buster Posey. Um, but, you know, I mean, that being said, he's a he's just a great hitter, and he's also a really good catcher defensively, and you just don't see that a lot. And I think that even if he isn't a catcher, even if he does have to play, you know, first base or DH full-time, he's still going to hit enough to justify that. And uh, I think that's kind of the line of thinking uh, with that. Obviously, like, a, I mean, he's just – exactly what you want. I mean, if you can draw up a catcher, I mean, he's exactly what you want. Switch hitter, power, average, good arm, good blocking, uh, really smart student of the game. I mean, he blur he checks every box. So, uh, so I mean, yeah, I, mean, I definitely like the Orioles taking that pick there, and I think he's going to be like a, a staple for them uh, for a long time. But, uh, you know, even if he doesn't end up catching like 100 games a year, if it's more like, you know, if it's more like 80 – or 70, and then having to DA some and play first base, as long as he's hitting, I think that's still a great value. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody said it was a safe pick, at least, because, uh, I mean, college players in general are safe. Yeah, Co college hitters are the safest out of anybody. Yeah. I mean, they're the closest to the major leagues. They're the most likely to reach their full potential. And, you know, it's just – I mean, it's just the safest overall, and that's why you see more teams going to that nowadays. Yeah. JB has explicitly stated that he wants to stay out of the MLB draft talk, but I got a special question just for JB for the draft. I think it's one you can handle, JB. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't freak out too much about this. There is JB, Mister JB Brooks, we'll call you. Uh, there is a local flavor to this draft. I don't know how well you've been followed the draft this year, JB, or the draft last night, but there was a local player picked in the first round. JB, did you follow that? Yeah, that was. Uh... Second, are you round. Saying, second round or first are you, round? 
Uh, Maurice Hampton was a uh, potential he, first pick. I think it was. I think it was actually picked in the second round, but it, but he ended up not signing because he's also a dual sport athlete. He plays football and he is a four star recruit going to LSU. So now he's going to LSU to play football and baseball, which is pretty much like you are going to be the shit at LSU if you're doing both and you're good at both. Who knows if he'll actually start at LSU for football, but, I mean, he's a four-star, so he's got a lot of potential at least. And he should be a good baseball player at the very least, um, if nothing else. But he's going to have a fun time in college, uh, and everybody's going to know who he is. But just curious, JB, do you know how much he turned down to go to LSU instead? Yeah, he turned out $1.5 million signing bonus. I heard it was more than that. I heard it was like 1.8 or something like that. Well, yeah. point. Regardless, yeah, you got to take that money. I mean, even, That's, even, if, that, even, if you, even if you fail, you've got $1.5 million that you get to pocket. I don't know. That's that's what I was I was trying to think. You, you'd be surprised. Cause I, you would think I would just say take the money also. But I I don't know. I, I think your first-round draft pick, your, your top – 20 pick and you're getting two or three million then maybe yeah for sure like you can't say no to that money but there's i I'm like i think holt might agree with me here but maybe not i think you can't put a price on like your college experience especially you're going to lsu playing football and baseball you're gonna have like the time of your life i think and you know you go you get drafted out of high school, and there's like there's not a great chance you're gonna make it to the major leagues. And maybe maybe there is, but I don't think there really is a great chance that you're gonna make it to the major leagues. So most of your money is gonna come from a signing bonus, and that's all the money you're gonna make. And you know that is that is enough money to set you up for possibly life, if not a very long, long time. But I just think going to LSU and being a part of the LSU football and baseball team, and just being part of the LSU experience would be worth something. And, possibly even more than that $1.5 slash $1.8 million. Yeah, I mean, you do make a point, but I, I will uh, make this one point. Uh, we've, we've seen guys in the past that will get drafted out of high school and go play baseball for a few years, and then when that career doesn't pan out, they go to college and play football. Like, we saw that with Brandon Whedon, seen that with uh, Chris Wanky. Both of those guys were star quarterbacks at the university. So, I mean, that's another possibility for a guy like uh, Maurice Hampton as well, but – I mean, I don't fault him at all for going to LSU and playing both sports. But if it was just me, I would have taken the $1.8 Because then you're not just getting that. You're also going to still be getting paid to play. And then if you're a second-round pick, more than likely you're going to make it to the majors at some point. I mean, you should be. Hold, hold, give, me, give me some facts about this. Um, what, just about, like, well, like how 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 unlikely it is that you actually will make the major. Yeah, if you don't get drafted in the first three rounds, so your odds of making the boogies are not very good. Um, like I mean, just just in general, like I think if you're not drafted in the first four or five rounds out of high school, you should you should go to college. In my opinion, I mean that's just why I think everybody's situation is different. Some people, you know, some people that that signing bonus is life changing, and some people it's you know a drop in the bucket. You know, I mean it just depends on what kind of background you come from and, you know, what you want. Um, but that being said, you know, because, I mean, obviously in baseball they don't get full scholarships, so it's not like you're getting a free ride. I mean, you're, you're basically talking about paying money to go to school. Um, and college is really expensive nowadays, so. He, he would have gotten free. In this case, he would have gotten a free ride. Yeah. Well, yeah, in this, in this case he would have. And, um, 
you know, because of the football scholarship. But, I mean, just in general, like, yeah, if you're not drafting the first four or five rounds and you can afford to go to college, I would definitely say go to college. Um, and then there was actually uh, another uh, football player, dual sport athlete, uh, that was affected by this as well, Jaron Ely, uh, that was five-star running back, that's committed to Ole Miss, did not go uh, in the first couple rounds of the draft. So he is most likely headed to Ole Miss to play uh, both sports as well. So huge win for LSU and for uh, Ole Miss in the MLB draft. But I'm interested, Holt, what would you personally do if you were Maurice Hansen in this specific case and you got offered 1.8? million to play baseball or would you go and tell she'd be a dual sport athlete well like for me personally like i mean i think the right decision is to take the money but it, to me it would just be so cool to play fo- uh, college football um like i just think that's a one in a life once in a lifetime experience and you know i know for me personally like uh that that's just what i would want to do but at the same time you know i i would i think finally the right decision is to take the money and if it doesn't work out, you can come back and play college football later on. But if it works out, I mean, but who knows? Also, everybody makes that argument about you can always come back to play college football. But the guys that at least I know about and people that that's most popular are the quarterbacks. And this guy would be a defensive back. And, I mean, it's not like three years from now he's not going to be still in his prime. I mean, he's still going to be very, you know, young and athletic and not, not old. But it's just – it's not seen as much for – non-quarterback positions i mean i've seen kickers and punters but i haven't seen like a defensive back come back after three or four years not playing but i'm sure it happens but it's not at least publicized as much yeah it's not as common and uh cord sandberg is a quarterback at uh auburn um that played minor league baseball for about four or five years that is competing for the starting job there yeah that's exactly who gus malzahn recruits is like (laughs) just some random mass transfers into the program like that, like grad transfers and any kind of transfer you can find. Although he does have uh what's the name? Uh, Bo, Bo Nix or is that, do I have a right? Gunner, yeah, Bo Nix. I mean, he's, I don't think Sanford is going to win the job, but he, he was, I mean, he may have honestly left Auburn by now. I don't know, but he was there, I believe in the spring and um, he played minor league baseball for a decent amount of time. Yeah. Let's move on to maybe the last topic, maybe the second last topic. Um, JB texted us today about the SEC bowl schedule. JB, go ahead, and I'll just let you take the floor here. Go ahead and elaborate on the new SEC bowl schedule and what you're excited about, what you don't like about this. Yeah, so we said we're going to be getting um, with the 2020 postseason. So this year will be the last year with the current uh, contractual agreements. So uh, we're going to have 10 bowls starting in 2020 that are going to addition to the uh, bowl games that we play in the college football playoff and also the uh, tie-in. So uh, the SEC will still be in the Sugar Bowl in years that the college football playoff is not a semifinal. And uh, they'll also be in the uh, Capital One Orange Bowl in years that uh, they can't play in the Sugar Bowl. And then uh, we also are going to still have the uh, Citrus Bowl in Orlando, uh, the Outback Bowl, the Tax Slayer Bowl, the Music City Bowl, the uh, Academy Sports Texas Bowl, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and the Birmingham Bowl. But those are still the mainstays. Those, nothing's changed with those bowls. The difference now is that the SEC is now going into an on and off year with two bowls, one of them being the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, and the other one being the Las Vegas Bowl in Las Vegas. So the SEC uh, will be playing in the Belk Bowl in odd years in 2021, 2023, and 2025, and then they'll be playing in Las Vegas Bowl in the years 2020, 2022, and 2024. 
Uh, the Las Vegas Bowl will be against a Pac-12 opponent, and the uh, Belk Bowl will be against an ACC opponent. Now, I will say that the Las Vegas Bowl is very intriguing for the SEC because, one, it's the first time we're going to have a Pac-12 tie-in uh, with the Pac-12 program. And also, it's going to be in the new Raiders Stadium because that's when the stadium opens in 2020. So that's very exciting for the SEC. And also, it gets them a footprint out west. And then another bowl is uh, we've got a new bowl that's replacing another bowl. The Independence Bowl will no longer be affiliated with the SEC after this season. That is being replaced by the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. That's in Tampa. And that will be running through 2025. First, first reaction to this for me is I'm tired of bowl games. I'm tired. I mean, y'all are different, especially you hope is you want to watch as many bowl games and much football as possible, but I'm just tired of more bowl games and the six win teams getting bowl games and playing another six win team. Uh, so I, I personally just don't like more bowls, but whole oh, you're different, right? Yeah, I'm definitely all for as many bowl games as possible. Honestly, I think, they should have a final four for like the worst four power five teams every year. And uh, instead of winning and advancing, when you win, you get to go home and the loser advances. And then <laughs> instead of the loser of the final game going home, the the loser gets the trophy instead of the winner. And it's like a toilet. It's like a toilet seat. No way they would ever do that, but I like your idea. I mean, I think they should, they should have like Kansas and Rutgers and Oregon state and, you know, whoever else. Well, Kansas is about to be a powerhouse of West Miles now. Yeah, that's right. But uh, I, I'm, I'm joking aside. Like, I'm all for like uh, bowl game being played. I, I think there should be more. I mean, I, I just I'm all for like more college football. You know, I think it'd be really cool if the group of five had like their own playoff. Um, but you know, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. But anyway, like I'm just all for like as many bowl games as possible, just in general. Yeah, I don't even care. Shittiest teams ever. Like it's still it's still good. Are you the type of person that'll watch like the like week zero games besides this year? Because this year is I think it's uh, actually a good game. But um, are you the type of person that'll watch like Colorado State play? I don't know Colorado. BYU or UTEP or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, especially that first weekend. I mean, you know, you're just excited that college football's back at that point. And you know, yeah, I mean. The last couple of years, I've been kind of complaining because I was thinking, I mean, they could at least have like one power five matchup like here. They could at least have like one decent matchup here, but, you know, they never did. It was always, you know, yeah, just like, like I think it was like Colorado State and Oregon. And I think it was like Hawaii played like Rice or something. Like just, you know, I mean, yeah, it's football, but it's kind of, I wish it was just at least like one like decent game. Like it doesn't have to be a great game, just one like decent game that, that, that week zero or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I'm all about watching college football that weekend, and I'm definitely all for gambling that weekend. That's <laughs> fun. Yeah. Um, I think – I thought it was this year, but maybe it's next year that I think Florida opens up in week zero. JB, you got you got that? No, it's this year. Oh, okay. Okay, so they're playing who this year, week zero? Mijami. <laughs> yep. Are you talking – you're talking about the uh, primetime game this year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Florida-Miami game. So, yeah, we finally got a big game to open up, and – I mean, I, I think that's really a huge advantage for Florida, too. Manny Diaz or uh, Dan Mullen going up against his former defensive coordinator, his former two-time defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, his former two-time, two-time coordinator at two different tenures. Yeah, and I think that is cool. I think it's cool uh, because you 
it's like during college football season, normal Saturdays, like you don't, there's most of the time you, there's so many games going on once that you can't really exclusively focus on one game because you're still trying to watch all the other games at the same time. But like week zero, you're going to exclusively focus on this Florida Miami game. You are. And I I think this is going to be a huge game for college football and, I think it's gonna. I think both of these programs are really gonna benefit from it because the entire country is gonna be watching. It's gonna be the only major college football game yeah. that we. And I think it, you're gonna see a lot of programs in the future that are gonna want to get this primetime game. I, I don't see it to where it's gonna become a trend where we're gonna see more games on week zero. Like we might see maybe a couple of additional games, like maybe a lesser, great you know power five matchup in the afternoon that follows the primetime game that evening, but. Do think that that prime time slot in week zero is going to become a major slot in the future, and I think it's going to start with the game this year. Yeah. Well, um, excited for it. Uh, so we have less less time between uh, college football uh, last game. Okay. It just but, means we got our previews done a week earlier. That's all it means, Alex. That's all it means. Three three previews a week now. Um, last topic before we go. This one's for Holt. Is Tommy Stevens going to be the quarterback for Mississippi State starting game one this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, he obviously played under Joe Moorhead for two years. He was the backup. Um, a lot of Penn State fans really liked him and really I actually wanted him to start ahead of Trace McSorley. Uh, pretty much Trace McSorley had a bad game. You know, Tommy Stevens was the guy that they were all pointing to. And uh, a lot of people thought that he was the favorite to win the job at Penn State this year. Um, he was not guaranteed the job at the end of the spring training you know, spring practice or whatever. So he uh, decided to go ahead and move on and um, wanted to rekindle his uh, relationship with Joe Moorhead and uh, came on down to uh, Mississippi State where, you know, obviously they lose Nick Fitzgerald and, uh, you know, the quarterbacks that are there already, um, you know, only one of them was recruited by Joe Moorhead. Obviously, uh, Gary Schrader, true freshman, probably not going to play this year. So, you know, it would be a good, like, stop uh, guy. I think he can uh, – you know, I don't know if he's necessarily a great pastor or a great runner. Most of uh, the video of him from online is him running the ball. Um, they used him kind of as a change of pace quarterback, and they would line him up like running back and receiver and like hand the ball to him and throw stuff, just kind of do like some weird plays. So he's definitely an athletic guy, big kid. I think he's like 6'5", um, really big dude. Apparently a good passer, um, allegedly, but – we haven't really seen a lot. Uh, I think he's only thrown like 62 passes or I want to say that's right in his college career. And he's, I think he's got like a 58% completion percentage. So, I mean, not like a huge sample size, not really enough to uh, say for sure. And then they also got a uh, graduate transfer receiver from Kansas state that became official today. Um, that was Kansas state's leading receiver last year. So hopefully he's someone who can come in and uh, supposed to be kind of like a big play guy. So hopefully he can, uh, be a good target for for Stevens, and hopefully those two guys can help uh, uh, jumpstart Mississippi State's passing game that was so terrible last year. I really hope Thompson transfers to Memphis after he doesn't start. I don't know if he really fits Norvell's system either, though. I think he's going to have to go somewhere where they they use a running quarterback more. Well, they they could use a running quarterback at Memphis. Um, The problem with Thompson is they need an accurate quarterback, and he's not accurate at all. No, I mean, well, I mean, you know, it is a small sample size. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, until you're there and, you know, you, you get, like, a chance to play, like, a few games in a row, like, with you being the starter, it's just hard to say for sure. But, I mean, yeah, he definitely throughout his career is not, when he has played, not been the most accurate passer. But, 
you know, he's probably the most highly recruited quarterback I think the Mississippi State's ever signed. I mean, he was like all everything coming out of high school. He had offers from like everywhere. You know, he won a state championship in New Orleans. He was like Louisiana Gator play, Gator player of the year, played in like all the all-star games. And, you know, has I mean, he has a really good – he's a really good kid and he's really athletic. You know, but obviously Joe Moorhead, it's just not like a, working for him. You know, he was able to run Dan Mullen's offense and it's not uh, – you know, it's not going. You, you got it going on there, Alex? Is everything all right? Sounds like someone's trying to break into your house. No, I got him. I got to get that guy. I got the bad guy. All right, cool. Just check in. I I think either you're not at home right now or you got your smoke detector battery fixed finally, I think. No, I mean, it's definitely chirping over here. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for not standing so close to it this time, I guess. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we're just too loud. I don't know that, but it's it's all good. Oh, there he goes. (laughs) Wow. I cannot believe that just happened. Has it been going on the whole show? I really I think haven't we just now it. finally noticed it, but now yeah. the too. Well, actually, so now, they're not. They're, they're listening. not viewers. They're listeners. You're uh, you're getting on my level now because now, like, you just it happens so much that you don't hear it anymore. It's like living close to a train. Man, I, I called like a. Uh, I was getting like my electricity shut off, and I had to call this uh, like the you know one eight hundred number or whatever. And the chick that I was talking to on the phone, like her battery or thing was going off in the background <laughs> and i was like jesus like what's going on like nobody's replacing their smoke detector batteries now they don't give they don't give one shit either when they're on the phone i know that that's no. a that's, that's not a topic though um all right so thomas stevens is gonna be the quarterback for Mississippi state thompson's gonna transfer not to memphis probably to louisiana monroe or something like that yeah maybe like Tulane. i feel like he would fit Tulane system really well because yeah. they run like the, kind of a spread triple option type thing uh, JB, any final words before we part? Do you want to mention anything about Tennessee? You want to do a Rocky Top chant or something? No, I'm all good. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. So I think that's the the show for this week. Uh, thanks for staying along, staying along this long, staying around this long. Um, it's been a fun one. We never talk about baseball, and we finally got to take, talk about baseball. So I'm imagine uh, the next podcast will uh, recap the regional, super regionals. And maybe even get a preview in next week. I don't know. We need to get on it quick, though. I know that. So we'll, we'll figure it out on our end. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, a.k.a. Bullship One. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Holt Smash. What's up? Uh, seen you in a while. Dude, I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. We're going to be joined by our lovely other co-host, Mr. Debbie Brooks. Uh, yes, I think we're still waiting on him to join this podcast, but mm. 
haven't seen him on the line yet. Mr. J.B. Brooks has got the jokes tonight. Uh, we're in for a treat. We're in for a treat. All right, so a uh, little life updates. So you're recording from the same phone. What does that mean, Holt Smash and Mr. J.B. Brooks? Uh, it obviously means we're at the same place, Alex. Nice. So um, are y'all, like, sleeping in the same bed, like bunk beds? What's going on? Uh, no, we have separate rooms, thankfully. Thankfully, yeah, it's, it'd be it'd be tough in the same room. I've done that before in my life. It's it's tough for even for a weekend with one of y'all, but at least you'll have separate rooms. Um, anything exciting going on in Memphis lately? No, not really. Same old, same old. Just there's some really good food and trying to eat every restaurant I can. Um, and Italian fest is going on. I haven't been to it, but apparently that's where you know all the cool kids are hanging out. But but. Yeah. To the cool kids club yet? Do you, you see, so you do not have the hookup for the Italian Fest yet. No, I don't. Mr. W. Brooks, I thought you had the hookup for all the festivals. Uh, apparently not. Alex, are you uh, do you have like a jammed up printer or something back there? Like, what's going on? Well, I don't know, man. Alex, are you just – do you have, like, one of those bubble wrap things where you're just, like, popping it, like, straight into the microphone? <laughs> Alex, are you alive? <laughs> He's gone. Alex, are you there? <laughs> 